0: Welcome to Give Me Some Truth. I'm Kevin Castro, your podcast producer, and your co-hosts are Clint Walkner and Nate Condon, the co-owners and financial advisors at Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. This is a podcast series dedicated to illuminate some of the darkness around fees, conflicts of interest, and the motivation behind recommendations in the financial planning industry. Here are your hosts. Gotta leave your money behind you. Raise your hand to
1: the sky Ask the masses of silence Look Welcome back to Give Me some Truth where our topic today will be variable annuities and all of the exciting features of the variable annuity product in our, in our industry. So we'll be talking about a few different aspects of the the product itself, including what it is, how it works, whether or not it's appropriate for one investor versus another, why people don't like them, and fees that are involved. So first off, Clint, what is a variable annuity? A
0: variable annuity is an insurance product that's been developed by an insurance company and oftentimes it contains... Variable annuity sub which are kind of clones to what mutual funds actually are. So we can't call them mutual funds, but they're clones of basically mutual funds. Um, and oftentimes, these variable annuities that are developed have, you know, sometimes 100 different investment choices inside of those. And uh, the annuities are generated by the insurance company. So it could be, you know, MetLife's, and they have a, a fancy marketing name after it. The preferred plus variable annuity and then uh, they'll contain those sub
1: inside of those. So does it also have an insurance component as well? Yeah, I mean,
0: they're based uh, on an insurance wrapper, and basically what it provides you is uh, tax deferral. So that's kind of the give back that the insurance company gives to you is that you receive tax deferral on any money that you put inside of the annuity. So, for example, if you had $100,000 and you had a $10,000 gain inside of that annuity due to good performance that $10,000 would continue to be tax-deferred until you took it out. Now, the downside to this is that when you do take the money out, the first money out that comes out is gain, and it is taxable income. So you don't receive the uh, capital gains treatment of that. So you might not have as low a tax rate on that when it comes out because it's dependent on what your taxable income actually is. And Nate, can you put uh, variable annuities and IRAs together?
1: You can. Uh, Whether or not it is the best idea in the world is um, up to each individual situation, but you can use a variable annuity for uh, what we would call non-qualified or just liquid money. You can use IRA money. You can use Roth IRA money. Um, So really, it's just a a destination, if you will, for investment dollars. Um, Is it fair to say that it is an insurance and investment product kind of operating at the same time? It kind
0: of is. And and the good and bad of that is that you know it does carry more fees inside of it, uh, but it does carry that special tax deferral. So in some circumstances, if you run the numbers, the tax deferral might make some sense. But oftentimes what happens is despite the fact you have that tax deferral, the expenses will kind of eat from that uh, sort of pot of money and it's not necessarily worth it to do it. So you've got to be real careful there. And just like you alluded to, Nate, I mean, IRAs don't, carry, you don't get double tax deferral or anything like that. So inside of an IRA, if you take a withdrawal out of that account, um, there can be some some taxes
1: and, and penalties on anything you take out. So can you just briefly discuss who is a good candidate for a variable annuity? Um, where does it make sense? Where does it possibly not make sense?
0: good candidate for a variable annuity would generally be somebody that's a little bit older because um, these are also tied to age 59 and a half rules. So in other words, if you're 40 years old and you're getting that tax deferral and then you s- decide to take the money out when you're 45 or 50, uh, if you take that money out prior to age 59 and a half you you're going to have a 10% excise penalty on top of the taxation that you're going to incur. So it's definitely somebody that's, uh, you know, probably in their mid-50s or greater that should consider variable annuities unless the uh, they intend on using it Really, really long term, then they could go a little bit sooner than that. But there's really very few reasons why somebody in their 20s, 30s, or 40s would be able to use a, a variable annuity effectively in their financial plan. But we have seen this, have we not? Well, I've seen it a bunch of times. Um, you know, what's interesting about variable annuities is that they oftentimes compensate advisors very well. So Advisors sometimes may not be doing what's in the client's best interest and uh, lo and behold they get paid well to do variable annuity business versus mutual fund business. Uh, so, so what s- you're saying is you want everybody to take out a variable annuity. Well right? if you want to get paid well uh, we've seen that happen <laughs> plenty in the past. Uh, I've seen that happen with peers writing variable annuities and uh, you know in the past and in some prior jobs and kind of wondering hey why is this happening. So uh, yeah it's it's uh it's fraught with conflicts of interest there.
1: It, 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 harkens back to our previous podcast where we discussed, and, and, this will continue to be a theme as we move forward. Um, the idea of fiduciary standard and again, why it's so important and why we, um, uh, you know, kind of touch on it so often, but, uh, and a product like this, where as Clint alluded to, uh, one, it pays advisors typically, uh, a healthy amount of, of commission. Um, two, it is a specialized product that should really, in our opinion, only be used in certain situations. Um, and three, has a fair amount of complexity to it. Uh, when you put these three things together and you're dealing with somebody that is not required to do what's in your best interest as uh, as an advisor, you have a situation that is ripe for conflict of interest. And um, in, in kind of looking at why some people in the industry disdain Variable annuities, and in some cases, um, kind of build their and uh, build a large part of their practice ob- on uh, kind of going against the idea of variable annuities. Uh, Ken Fisher is a, a gentleman that comes to mind. Um, a lot of it is is tied to the fact that this product is is way overused. Um, what are the uh, What are the situations where it makes sense to use a variable annuity, Clint?
0: Um, what we saw primarily, actually, about ten years ago, there was a huge arms race and variable annuity living income benefit riders. And those were very rich riders actually where they guaranteed you a certain amount of growth tied to an income benefit and then a guaranteed amount that you would receive. So let's do a for example because it's kind of complex. If you had a hundred thousand dollars in a variable annuity, they were bonusing you out at a rate of sometimes seven percent compounded. And so at the end of the 10-year bonusing period, you had $200,000 of which you could draw off of. And you could draw off a guaranteed 5% per year or $10,000 a year. And this was regardless of market performance. Now, the downside is that you had to stay in the contract the whole time and you couldn't withdraw really more than that 5% without having some severe ramifications. But those are some pretty rich benefits that you had. Nowadays, those benefits have gone away. And are significantly different than they were just even a few years ago, because insurance companies lo and behold, we went through a down market, and now they 're on the hook for that money so uh, once the insurance company loses, they tend to learn from their mistakes and never lose again, so um, you know they 're in a situation where they redesign the products and the pricing and the riders and benefits, and now they 're not nearly as uh, beneficial to clients as they once were so uh, currently, if you 're using a variable annuity. It is uh, primarily due to tax deferral reasons. Oftentimes, when Nate and I use a variable annuity for a client, they already have an existing variable annuity. And they have some gain inside of there, and they don't want to recognize that gain. So we want to reduce the expenses oftentimes in those variable annuity contracts. So we'll transfer them over in what's called a 1035 exchange. And when we do that, that continues to delay the taxation on that money and then we oftentimes can put them in a better economic
1: situation going forward. Yeah, just as we can um, you know, go from one IRA investment to a different IRA investment, we can go from one Roth investment to a different Roth IRA investment, we can go from one annuity contract to a different annuity contract and, and continue that tax deferral. And so with the uh, placing of, of assets into variable annuities, if it's money that's not been in a variable annuity before, uh there we have a uh, a lot to kind of research and look at and make sure that this is the right product once somebody already has a variable annuity uh we're a little bit more limited because we we in a lot of cases want to stay in the variable annuity world so that we can continue that tax deferral so then it just becomes a, a comparison of what does your current contract look like versus what is available in the industry right now um and as Glenn alluded to you know a lot of our clients that that we uh, worked with back in, in 06, 07, 08. um, you know, they, they have variable annuity contracts right now, which, um, unless something drastic changes in the industry, they're going to be with those contracts for the rest of their lives because they do have the insurance companies on the hook at this point, and they are set to benefit now for the remainder of their lives on that contract. Other people, uh, might not have had such a lucrative contract, might make a lot of sense to move from one contract to another, um, because the fees might be a lot lower. So let's move to that quickly. Uh, Clint, let's talk a little bit about fees. How do fees work in a variable annuity? Well,
0: there's a litany of fees inside of variable annuities. And that's what really makes them products that are difficult to recommend on a regular basis. So number one, there's the mortality and expense fee. And basically, that is the fee to set up the contract by the insurance company. And so that can range anywhere from 20 bucks a month, which is on the the low side, obviously, all the way up to 1.25, 1.4. Sometimes we've even seen 1.8. And it depends on some of the liquidity provisions inside of the contract. So can you walk with your money right away? And in most cases, the answer to that is no, because the insurance company has to pay the investment advisor and they need to be able to recoup that if the client were to walk away. Number two, is an annual fee on the contract. Oftentimes that's waived if you have a certain dollar amount on the contract. If you have 50000 or or 100000 in the contract, they'll usually waive that. But that fee can range anywhere from 10 to to $100 annually and sometimes is charged off uh, on the contract if it's it's a smaller dollar amount. And then there's uh, variable annuity sub-account fees. And, Nate, do you want to explain that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, as Clint touched on earlier, um, the – Subaccount fees are uh, similar to um, mutual fund operating expenses, and that's a, a, again a subject we tackled in a previous podcast. Um, essentially, that's what we're paying the investment companies to be able to use their investment products uh, within the variable annuity contract. So we're ending up with investment products similar to any other investment. We're just doing it through the the um, kind of framework, if you will, of a variable annuity contract. So, um, you know, simple math here. um, You know, we can be looking at uh, you know costs on these contracts depending on what riders we put on the contract, and we'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, We're looking at costs that can range um, anywhere from as low as Clint said, you know, twenty dollars a month, which is it's incredibly low fee, all the way up to you know three, three and a half, sometimes four percent per year. So they can be incredibly expensive contracts. Kevin, as the layperson in the room, um, is everything in the world that's expensive bad?
0: I'm going to go with no.
1: No, that's correct. Not everything yes, in the world no, that's expensive is bad. You did now. That's that's very good. Very good. Um, so just because something is expensive doesn't mean it's bad. We have to get value for what we're paying for. And so if we have a contract that's costing us over 3% per year, that's not inherently bad or wrong. We just better be receiving a large amount of value for what we're paying for that contract. Um, Clint, can you talk a little bit about riders and and how they work?
0: Yeah, so riders uh, can be elected and sometimes you can elect them at time of contract and sometimes you can elect them after you have signed your contract and you can elect them at any point uh, during the process of owning your variable annuity. But basically, you can elect certain extras onto your contract that you can sprinkle in. And one of those common things would be a death benefit rider. So some people want to use this a little bit for an insurance component and say, I want to guarantee a certain death benefit or a certain um, bonusing of my money uh, towards a death benefit in case the market were to go down and I were to pass away. Uh, Number two, a real common rider that's selected is a lifetime income rider. And so there, uh, that's a rider that pays out a certain percentage at a certain point and will guarantee that income throughout the course of your lifetime. So like my prior example, $100,000, utilizing this uh, lifetime income rider, may might guarantee 4% or, or 5% of the contract value at that time for the rest of that person's life, regardless of market conditions. So the insurance company does some things to limit investment options so that you can't buy into an emerging market small cap fund, put the insurance company totally on the hook for your wild risk that you take, and then take your guaranteed income. So oftentimes they'll make you take a certain model um, that's more conservative that they can kind of risk manage themselves so that, again, they don't lose
1: in this situation. Yeah, the the analogy we like to use sometimes when it comes to variable annuities is that they're a lot like Christmas trees where, um, you know, you can just buy the, Christmas tree not hang any ornaments on it and uh, have a very kind of a a plain Jane contract if if we're just looking for tax deferral Uh, once we start kind of hanging ornaments if you will on the tree that's where the cost can go up and where the complexity can also go up as well so again not a bad product in the end nothing uh, very few things I should say in our industry are inherently good or inherently bad it's just a matter of whether or not it makes sense for for you and your situation Um, Closing out here, Clint, what's the kind of the, the three or four things that we want people to walk away from um, when they think about variable annuity con- When they think either about a purchase of a variable annuity contract initially or whether or not they have a variable annuity contract and should they stay with it?
0: Yeah, I mean, number one is you've got to check the liquidity provisions of your contract if you have a current contract. Um, sometimes there are things called surrender charges, and basically what this means is there's a lockup period for you. And if you move your money prior to that lockup period, you're going to be subject to some expense or penalty. So there's definitely something to look at there. Number two, you got to look at your income benefit if you do have an existing contract and match that up with your account value and really understand what you're giving up if you decide to walk away from that contract. Number three, if you're considering a variable annuity purchase, um, now variable annuities are becoming a lot more stripped down and you need to look at a wide variety of contracts and you need to make sure that you're in one that number one, we'd like to see no surrender penalty inside of that and full liquidity all the time. And number two, we'd like to see it on more of a fee-based sort of platform that does not pay the advisor commissions. So we can help remove that conflict of interest. There are some great contracts out there from TI Cref and Vanguard and others that do um, some, Fee-based type of investing, and a few of those also offer income riders. So, if you're considering purchase, uh, don't take what your advisor is just selling you at face value. You should do a little shopping around and see if there's something that might fit your situation better.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great point that um, that Clint hits on. That you know there are contracts out there nowadays where it does not pay the advisor a large upfront commission, um, and being that that's the world that Clint and I work in. Um, being more fee based um, we really believe strongly in those contracts as opposed to more Commission based contracts and that's a simple question you can ask your advisor uh, when you're purchasing the contract is, is this something you're gonna get paid a commission on or is this more of a fee based contract and if it's a Commission based p- contract you should uh, at a minimum uh, seek out the the options on the fee-based side and, and do a comparison and see uh, see if you can't get the same benefits for for a much lower cost
0: All right. Well, I think that's all we had for today. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll see you all next time on Give Me Some Truth.
2: Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Walkner and Nate Condon are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Kevin Castro is an office manager and marketing communications specialist for Walkner Condon Financial Advisors. He is not registered, and his participation in this podcast is limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment related. Nor should any comments he makes be construed as giving investment advice. Insurance products and services are offered through WC Insurance Services LLC, Walkner Condon Financial Advisors LLC, and WC Insurance Services LLC. Are affiliated companies. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any of the securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Wachner and Financial Advisors LLC is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective risk tolerance, and time horizons. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not promise or guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.